Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Amanda Gates, and in case you didn't know, you're listening to Home Energy Design. <laughs> I hope all of you are having a fantastic new year so far because today I have on an incredible guest who, if you're not having a good year so far, he's going to make it better. His name is James Twyman and this guy, holy wow, he's the author of multiple books, he's a musician and he's now doing an amazing play on Broadway. He has done so much, in fact, <laughs> you're going to hear me getting the facts all messed up in the show today, because despite doing heavy research on James for over two weeks before I did this show, he's done so much, I couldn't keep it all straight. <laughs> it's truly incredible what this man has accomplished in his short time on this earth. And like all of my shows, I was extremely intentional about putting James in the month of January. If your month has started out turbulent and rocky, well, we're going to talk about St. Francis today in the show. And St. Francis is here to help. Even though his teachings are over 800 years old, they are more prevalent today than ever before. And can I just give a shout out? towards his love of nature spirits y'all know for those that listen to this show you know how much I love my nature spirits so much so in fact that I made an entire module in mastering feng shui my big advanced course just on nature spirits so because of my love affair with nature and nature spirits I love St. Francis and I love that he's known for cultivating and honoring nature I mean, that's what he's really, uh, well, one of many things that he's known for. So I think what's really incredible is that today, despite me getting the facts all messed up, um, James has this incredible nature to him. And the other thing that I really love about James, what I really gleaned from this show is the fact that um, in a lot of ways, he's like a gypsy. He's making it work. He's really uh, shifting the paradigm in what we think the box that we've created that we have to live within, the parameters that we've created for ourselves because we've been told by authority figures that it has to look a certain way. That you have to go to school and you have to get an education and, you know, you have to have a house and the picket fence and the, you know, two kids and, and the dog and the husband and whatever it looks like. You know, a lot of us have been told that it has to look a certain way. And James kind of blows all that up and makes you realize there's a better way. There's a different way. 
and it's whatever it looks like for you. And that's what James is really doing. He's basically taking the life of St. Francis and living it, which is incredible. So I think you're going to really enjoy the show today. I know I did. I had a lot of fun talking to James. I loved his energy. Um, very calming. Uh, lots of humility, which I love. Uh, and very authentic. Uh, real quick before we dive into the show, I just want to let you guys know that early bird enrollment for Mastering Feng Shui opens next week. But you got to be on the wait list to get the notification. So if you go to my website under courses, you'll see uh, in the drop down for online courses that there is a, a navigation for mastering feng shui. If you go there, you'll be prompted to get on the wait list. And then as soon as you do, you'll get the notification that the course is open for early bird enrollment. So if it's something that you're interested in, if you've been wanting to learn real feng shui, and really getting to the meat of it, this is the course for you. So be sure you get on that wait list uh, to get the notification for when it goes live. All right, you guys, this is going to be such an incredible show. Today, James and I are going to talk about his books, which I try to keep straight, but there are so many. (laughs) But he has done an incredible feat and really put a lot of information out there. Um, He talks a lot about uh, St. Francis Broadway, holy wow. I mean, talk about doing the full gamut and how he, like Peter Waldo, is on fire with love and giving it all away. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I was so excited about the life that he's living and how he's doing it and proving those authority figures wrong. (laughs) That's why I couldn't keep the facts straight. I don't know. Probably just because he's done so much. Anyways, it's going to be a great show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hey, James, welcome to the show. It is so great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, was just talking to James before the show, and it's a uh, balmy 29 degrees here in Nashville, and he has shared with me that he is in um, Mexico, where (laughs) it's delightfully warm. So I'm a little bit jealous. I'm going to try not to uh, let you hear my teeth chatter, but... (laughs) That's why uh, people come to Mexico this time of year. We we live in a, a very big expat community, so there are many, many Americans and Canadians, and we have a beautiful spiritual community called Namaste Lake Chapala, about 40 houses, an amazing group of people. So we are enjoying the beautiful weather. Wow, that sounds amazing. I love it. I'll have to uh, look that up. I love the idea of a a big spiritual community. That sounds awesome. Yes. I, uh, you know, it was pretty amazing as I was doing research on you. You know, you're an author, you're a musician, film producer. You've now got this um, amazing uh, musical out. But I'm curious, you know, before we dive into all that, how did all this start? I mean, is this, you know, when you're little, is this the direction that you had planned on going or is this where you landed? Oh, gosh, I think a little bit of both. Uh, I think in many ways you could look back in my childhood and see a, a trage- trajectory. I can never say that word right. Trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and say, oh, I was meant for a spiritual life. I was very Catholic. I was going to study to be a priest. Uh, I left home at 18 to become a Franciscan because I love St. Francis so much. And then I left that, but that never left me. There's a saying that once a Franciscan, always a Franciscan. 
And so my relationship with St. Francis of Assisi was always very deep and very profound. And so when I began writing this book, Giovanni in the Camino of St. Francis, which is my new book, as well as the musical, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon, which we'll talk about, it felt like a completion in a way. Um, you know, before that, 25 years ago this year, something else happened that changed everything. And it was when a friend shared with me a sheet of paper that had the peace prayers from the 12 major religions of the world. And these were prayers that had been prayed for the first time in Assisi, the home of St. Francis, back in 1986, when Pope John Paul II called all the leaders of the different religions of the world together to each bring the peace prayer from their tradition. So the Dalai Lama was there, Mother Teresa was there, all the leaders were there. And a friend later gave me that sheet of paper and I had this experience where in one hour, I had put all 12 prayers to music. And it was like this beautiful gift that I knew I was meant to share. And I decided at that time, which was back in 1994, that I wanted to just to be like St. Francis and travel around the world as a penniless troubadour. And I started getting invited to countries at war and being invited by people like Saddam Hussein to Iraq or doing a concert on a hill looking into a village in Syria held by ISIS. So many adventures doing these prayers. But now that I'm back to St. Francis with this book and musical, it really does feel like I've come full circle. But you could always, I think, see this direction. I'm curious, uh, when did your admiration rela uh, relationship really start with St. Francis? Do you think that that started as a child uh, mm -hmm. and then it kind of came full circle as you became an adult? Or when did that start for you? Definitely as a child. I mean, most Catholics are raised with a very deep reference, reverence for Francis of Assisi. Uh, he is also the most universally beloved saint, people of many religions and every spiritual path. But for most people, and for me when I was young, it's what you call the birdbath St. Francis. You'll be Everywhere you look, it seems, you see a statue of St. Francis in a garden, holding a bowl of water for the birds or surrounded by animals. And that definitely was a part of who Francis was, but also not by any means the whole thing. He was much more complicated and much more revolutionary. Francis was a definite re revolutionary when he was alive 800 years ago. And as I began to understand more and more of that when I was older, of course, as I said, I joined the Franciscan order when I was 18. Uh, and I began to really appreciate him for the revolutionary that he was. In fact, I'll share a quick quote uh, that I only heard maybe a year and a half ago for the first time, and it, it rocked my world. And, and I think it, it formed a big part and a, a reason for doing this musical. And we, we speak about revolution. This man said, we'll see if you can guess who said this. He said, the revolution we started failed. What we really needed were 10 St. Francis of Assisi's. The Pope? It sounds like maybe the Pope. I'll give you one more guess, I'm, but I'm going to give you a hint. Go in the other direction. Jesus? <laughs> no, I meant the other direction because it's Vladimir Lenin. Ah. Lenin said that. And Lenin, you know, who is an atheist, he recognized that what they did in Russia failed. 
But if they had had 10 people who, like Francis, were totally committed to peace, then it would have been different. And so I think in this world today, with the way things are, the division, the polarization, I, I take that very seriously. And I think if there were 10 people today doing what Francis did, it, it would bring about a new renaissance because Francis lived at the very end of the Dark Ages. And right after that came the Renaissance. And Francis was a big part of the inspiration of the Renaissance. Maybe if there were 10 people who were this committed, maybe a new Renaissance would dawn. So for me, writing this book and the musical, which I'll be traveling across the country doing on the way to Broadway, it was my way of saying, okay, I'll be number 10. Who are the other nine? Who, who wants to step up and, and be one of those Francis of Assisi's for, for the modern day? Mm. I'm curious. Um, you know, I really feel like he was a revolutionary. I think that he did a lot of things to propel humanity. And I feel like in a lot of ways, society is, is very much uh, in a similar place and it is polarized and um, there's a lot of separateness going on and compartmentalization of, you know, spirituality versus Christianity or Islam or, uh, you know, whatever the faith is. And I'm curious, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing. It's about love and connectedness and that we're all one. But what's your take on that? Well, yeah, I fully agree with you. Uh, this is a very, very interesting time that we live in. We see such separation, such discord. And you, you know what's very similar to the, the time of Francis? In the time of Francis, the, the upper middle class, even the middle class was just beginning to rise. And Francis enjoyed that. His father was a rich cloth merchant and he was a, he was a, a fun loving guy and probably the most popular young man in Assisi. But then his world was rocked. He was in the army in Assisi. And at that time, you didn't fight other countries, you fought other towns. So they were always at war with Perugia, which was the next town over. Because one was a papal state, one was an independent state, and then you had the Holy Roman Empire, uh, Emperor Frederick the Great, all vying for control. So there are wars and battles everywhere, just like today, really. And Francis was thrown into prison because he was captured, but that's when his heart broke open, and he realized that there had to be another way. And, and that's when his life changed. One day he literally stripped naked in front of the whole town, in front of the bishop, in front of his parents, and walked out of Assisi naked. And that's when his ministry really began. And once again, I think we, we need radicals like that today, because it's never people following convention that change the world. Margaret Mead once said, don't think that a small group of dedicated people can't change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever does. Mm. Amen. <laughs> Very true. Why do you think, you know, you have clearly a, a true love for St. Francis, and, and I agree, I think his radicalization of the time was very much needed. But in your opinion, why should we know about him now? How can he help us now? That is such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got such a lot. And one of the things that I love about him is, is I agree. I think that we traditionally associate him with bird baths and, and garden and being in the garden and sort of thing. And 
one of the reasons that I've always loved him is I have a strong connection to nature spirits. Yes. And I have a, a strong connection when I go out into nature and in my communication with animals. And that's my connection to St. Francis. And yeah. I feel that society has become not only disconnected from one another, but they've become disconnected from the planet, from nature, yeah. from Gaia. And this idea that, you know, you go on a walk and you're encountered by a deer or uh, a, a beautiful song by a bird or something that is actually quite magical, mm -hmm. it's completely lost. And it's not even, yeah. it's considered almost mundane because right. people are so caught up in their to-do lists and, and all of the frenetic world that we've created. And to me- And it was probably the same way at the time of Francis as well because everybody was so preoccupied just as they are today with being rich, with prestige, with being able to sit up front during mass and all these things. And Francis was no exception. But when his heart broke open, he began to see what was right in front of him all along. And that's when he began to spend time in nature. And he began to commune with not only nature, but with the poorest of the poor and the people that were despised like the lepers. In fact, when he first left Assisi, the first thing he did was go and live amongst the lepers to serve them because his heart was cracked open. He didn't know what to do, but to see the face of Christ in everyone, including the animals, including the birds, including the poor. And so he was 100%. You, you asked, what's the importance of Francis today? He was 100%. He was fully committed. Now, most of us are really committed, but we're not fully committed. And so I see in Francis someone who gave everything. And I think that's true for all of us. We may not be called to do it in the same way Francis did it or the same way that I'm doing it. You know, traveling across the country penniless for two months on my way to do a show to, on Broadway. But we're all called to do it in our own way. And I think Francis is a great inspiration of what it means to give 100%. And that's why, for me, uh, the, the decision, when I knew I was going to be doing this musical on Broadway, I didn't want just to go to New York and get an apartment and, you know, every, as everyone else did. I wanted to go there as Francis would have. So starting off on the West Coast, doing 14 shows on the way to New York, traveling without any money, without even any idea how we're getting from place to place. And... And oh, the other thing that's, I think, really important for this is that during the musical itself, every day, we'll be on the street passing out free tickets to the homeless, asking them to come and join us in this experience. I don't know if any Broadway show has ever done that before, invite the homeless in and feed them and, and entertain them. But once again, Francis included everyone, the people, the animals, the birds. The, uh, his most famous prayer is called the Canticle of the Creatures, where he honored the divine through Brother Sun, Sister Moon, Sister Water, Brother Fire, all the elements. He, that's, that was his thing, was to honor God everywhere, to be 100% in nature and with his brothers and sisters. Which is really quite beautiful. I think that we could all learn something from that because, again, we've lost that connection to one another and, and seeing ourselves in each other. And, you know, I think that a lot of people are committed and they are going 100%, but they're going in the wrong direction. Right. Right. <laughs> they're focused on the wrong things and they're focused on egoic things and not their innate nature within them, which, yeah. you know, uh, 
it sounds like Francis had this uh, oh, enormous yeah. heart chakra opening uh, that really propelled him to be a radical leader in yeah. a very turbulent time. Yeah. He suddenly saw the valuelessness of everything that he once held valuable. And in doing so, he found true value. And it was tr the true value of connection. You know, I live here in Mexico, as you said, and I see all around me what we would consider to be poor Mexican families. But, you know, in many ways, they, they're the rich ones. They're rich in the things that count, in love and life and joy. Sometimes I meet people who have a tremendous amount of money and they strike me as so poor because they're always wanting more. They're never satisfied with anything that they have. And I think that's another lesson of Francis. Just be satisfied with simple gifts. And then you'll always have everything that you need rather than seeking after things that are here today and gone tomorrow. One of Francis's main thing uh, was that he wanted to simply try to live the gospel, to see if it was possible to do what Jesus said. Now, by the way, this was a very tricky time in history to do that. For example, there was uh, another man around the same time, when Francis was younger, named Peter Waldo. And Peter, like Francis, was on fire with love. And, and like Francis's father, he had been a very rich cloth merchant. And he gave everything away, sold it all, gave the money to the poor, and inspired so many people to do the same thing. But he did it in such a way that ultimately had them condemned as heretics because he was trying to simply live it. Now, Francis somehow was, was smart enough to do it in a way that not only avoided that you know, terrible label, but also was embraced fully and changed the world. I mean, obviously there are millions of Franciscans around the world still today. We were talking about him 800 years later. So he did something that was radical, revolutionary, and yet so grounded and simple. And I think that's what can change the world today. Mm. It's interesting that you talk about how he did, uh, Peter did something similar, but it wasn't as well received. And it reminds me, uh, I had a, a gentleman on the show a couple of weeks ago by the name of Joey Natolo. And uh, he's this guy that's in Los Angeles and, and he had a Kundalini awakening and the same thing happened to him. He was very wealthy, was a film producer, had a lot of money, lived in Malibu. After he had this awakening, he gave everything away and he now lives penniless and he's trying to give back to humanity and show inner city kids their connectedness and, and trying wow. to eliminate violence and trying to eliminate, you know, separateness and, and, getting them out of their egos and it hasn't been as well received. You know, there's a sector that is really embracing it, but like it ended up causing him to get divorced and his family is now yeah. estranged from him. And like, he had to really sacrifice a lot to put out this message and he's 50 years old and, and basically like, you know, this is my path. This is what I have to do. I so very it. similar. What was his name again? Joey Natolo. He was on my show maybe three or four weeks ago. Well, I want to have to check him out. Yeah, pretty cool cat. I mean, really cool guy. Uh, you know, grew up in the streets of LA, kind of a, a thug. He he was real good at manifesting. He was money hungry. Was going after all the egoic stuff, the bigger house, the house on the ocean, money, money, money. And then he has this Kundalini awakening, and 
from the outside looking in, everybody thinks he's going crazy because he can't tell past, present, or future because it's all simultaneously happening in his reality. And so everybody thinks he's going nuts, but all he is experiencing is love. (laughs) It's fascinating. Well, may the whole world go that crazy. (laughs) Right? Right? Like what he's experiencing is not what the 3D world is experiencing. And so he doesn't understand why everybody's in a tizzy because he wants them to experience what he's experiencing. So it's just- you know. It was the same thing with Francis 800 years ago. It it, it took people a few years to think of him more than just a complete loony bin. Mm -hmm. He was, he was ostracized. He, he, he went from being one of the most respected people in Assisi to being the laughing stock of Assisi. And what it took was one man whose name was Bernardo de Quintavale, who was, who was probably the most respected man in Assisi. He was a war hero, a man of letters, very rich. And yet he was totally unsatisfied with the world. And he saw something in Francis that made him make a dramatic change. He sold everything, gave the money to the poor and became the first brother. And the other person that really changed it, you had to have two. There was Bernardo and then of course, the very, very important St. Clair. St. Clair so often goes forgotten in this discussion and she is just as important as Francis is. And Clare, her family was the nearest thing to royalty that they had in Assisi. She was from an ancient Roman family, beyond rich, and yet she was so moved by the demonstration of Francis that she snuck out in the middle of the night and dedicated her life and became the first Franciscan sister. So that it, it took those years of Francis being ostracized and ridiculed, but remaining firm knowing that he was being guided perfectly, but it took that cleansing period for others like Bernardo and Claire, and then many, many more. You know, even while Francis was alive, there were, at one point in 1219, they called all of the brothers back to Assisi, and there were 7,000, no, 5,000 of them that came. And there were probably many more that didn't. But that's what happens when you light a fire and the, the ground is ready for it, ready to be burned. It just burns away everything that is not needed. And then this new growth occurs. And that could happen today just as easily as it happened 800 years ago. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree. So you wrote Peace Troubadour. And is that what turned into uh, St. Francis Goes to Broadway? Am I understanding that correctly? No, Peace Troubadour is just the name that, that people give to me. Are you talking about the book? Well, yeah, because I, I was looking here at, uh, it says New York Times bestselling author and, fa- oh, and famed peace troubadour, because mm-hmm. I wanted to know what inspired you to put together this show, St. Francis Goes to Broadway. I mean, what is it about and why did you decide to do it? Well, you're going to be surprised by the answer. It was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Bruce inspired me because... Um, Bruce, as you may know, did a one-man musical on Broadway up until about a year ago called Springsteen on Broadway. And they broadcast it on Netflix. And it's Bruce just up on the stage telling stories from his life brilliantly and then picking up the guitar and singing a song that we all know and love. And I watched that and I thought, you know, St. Francis could do this. And the reason I thought that is because I had just written the book Giovanni in the Camino of St. Francis, which I loved. It was, I think it's the best book I've written. And it's, it's a very modern retelling of the life of St. Francis. But 
I didn't know how to tour. I was doing a big book tour. I didn't know what I could do at these events. And then I saw the Springsteen video and I had that idea. What if St. Francis told the story of his life and there was music and, and people could experience it directly? So I sat down and wrote the musical and began doing it on the book tour all over the world. And then the invitation came to bring it to Broadway. Uh, so it's just been kind of a natural progression, but it began with Bruce and Giovanni. Wow, divine indeed. Well, you were saying at the beginning of the show, I heard you tuning your guitar and you said that you would kindly share with us um, some of the music from the, the show. Would you like to share that now? Oh yeah, I'd love to. In fact, I think what I'll share is a prayer that is often attributed to St. Francis, but actually he did not write. It's called the Prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Many people are familiar with it. And yet they're usually disappointed when they hear that Francis himself did not write it. But it does, I think, capture beautifully the message of St. Francis. And this is the song that I open up the musical with. Oh Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. is hatred bring your love where there is injury pardon where there is doubt your faith and where there is despair Bring your hope Where there is darkness Bring your light And where there is sadness Your joy Grant that we may not see to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand.
detriment of your peace. Of your peace. Wow. Thank you for gifting this to us. That was beautiful. You're so welcome. I felt like I was sitting in the room with you in warm Mexico and Lord have mercy. Do I really wish that were true? (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, You know, I, I agree. We've already been talking about this, but I think that um, these teachings are more relevant today than ever before and, and really needed. If people walk away with just one of his messages and one of his philosophies, what do you think that should be? Hmm. Oneness, that we are one, not only with each other, but with everything that we perceive, with nature, with the animals, with the sky, with the sun and the moon. There's only one thing happening. And that sometimes we call God, sometimes we call love. It doesn't matter what we call it, but it's what we are. I am that. And Francis was one that was able to break through those boundaries and to experience that oneness. And it's a oneness that transcends religions and spiritualities and countries and all of that. And, and I think Francis was an example of how the world can change if we make that our priority, that experience. It's not an intellectual thing. You know, the music is nice because it takes us out of our minds and brings us deeper into our heart. St. Augustine once said, when you sing, you pray twice. And I think that's true. That's why I've always loved being able to bring music in everything that I do. And I think, yeah, oneness would be his message today, just as it was 800 years ago. Mm, I love that. I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective of all the work you've done. I mean, I'm looking at this 15 books. You're a musician, songwriter. <laughs> I mean, uh, over 16 CDs. You know, you, you've definitely um, been putting that spiritual message out into the world. And um, hopefully people are paying attention. But for you, what has been the most meaningful of all the work you've done? Oh, wow. You know, I've, I've been able to travel the world to countries where peace is needed the most. And in, in many instances, we've had prayer vigils in which millions of people prayed and shared and, and such powerful miracles happened. And, and being able to go into these countries and to be an instrument of peace without question has been one of the highlights of my life. Uh, but I have to say now I'm having more fun doing this musical uh, than I've ever had before, traveling around being St. Francis and living from that place. And by the way, if it, as I said before, I'll be doing this cross-country tour. We'll be in Portland, Santa Barbara, all the way to, over to New York. And, and if anyone wants to, uh, to, to check out that schedule, see if we're coming through your city, they can just go to uh, stfrancismusical.com. That's stfrancismusical.com. And you can look at the schedule, see if we're coming there. Or if you're anywhere near New York, come and help us pass out tickets to the homeless and join us there uh, and feeding these people and really living this. And by the way, you can watch on that site, stfrancismusical.com, you can watch the uh, first 20 minutes of the musical, which we recorded very recently in Assisi, Italy. So it'll give you a nice taste of the whole thing right there. 
Wow. Awesome. I, one last question before we sign off here of, you know, all the things that you've been doing over the, the many years, is there any one thing that has really surprised you and all the work that you've done? Hmm. Surprised me. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that even in the midst of all of the separation and polarization that we have been seeing, that there are still these voices of peace that are rising above the cacophony and the noise and the confusion. People like Marianne Williamson and many others who are saying there is another way. We can come together. We, we can love one another and, and we can heal this from the inside out. And I think that is what is going to make it work. Francis was a good example of that 800 years ago, but Francis can't do it now. We can use his example and be inspired to do it ourselves. And that's why I love that image of 10 St. Francis's. And as I said before, I'll be number 10. Who are the other nine? Let's do this and, and let's make this shift a reality. Amen. Well, James, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed this and was really looking forward to this because, you know, like I said, I really think that uh, St. Francis's teachings are more relevant today than ever. And I love, love, love the idea that you have made this into uh, a musical because I agree. I think it's the fastest way to people's hearts and it's the fastest way to make them pay attention, yes. you know, is to, to make it a little bit more entertaining. Um, you had mentioned if people are interested in uh, finding out more about the musical, but what if they're interested in learning more about you and your books? Where do they find sure. you? They can go to Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y, Twyman, T-W-Y-M-A-N.com. That's my personal website. And there is a link right there also to take you to the, the musical website. And you did mention earlier, uh, you've got many, many books, but you mentioned that there was one that is your favorite. Which one was that again? Oh, the new one. Well, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis is my latest book. That's the one about Francis. And it's probably my favorite in the same way that we always love our youngest child the most. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one I would definitely say is a, a, a book called The Barn Dance. That seems to be one of them that has had the most impact on the most people. Okay. And what about Brother, Son, Sister, Moon? You've mentioned that one a couple of times as well. Well, that's, that's the musical. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what that's called. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the title of the musical. And that they can go to the website to learn where it's going to be. Exactly. Um, yeah. And watch the first 20 minutes. It's right there on that website. That's fantastic. Well, James, I really want to thank you for saying yes to this and sharing your energy with me today and to, to share this beautiful message. I think it's um, something that a lot of people, hopefully, I know my audience will love this. My audience is, is very awakened and, um, they take action and, and we're all trying to, you know, lift everybody up through peace and love and kindness. Nice. But I think that, um, it's always nice to hear that other people are doing it and, and spreading the message because I feel like it gets more people involved. Yeah. We need inspiration today. We need to inspire one another's and be inspired. And whether that's someone who lived 800 years ago or someone who's standing right in front of you, you know, I think that's going to be the key is to breathe that life and that fire into the lungs of everyone we meet. Mm, I love it. Thank you. My pleasure. Some wise words that I once heard from my own teacher that I think would be valuable after listening to this show today. Never dismiss anything without first exploring if it has value to you. 
and never dismiss something because it doesn't feel familiar. Your truth is more than enough to take you where you need to go. So I hope that today as you listen to me fumbling around trying to understand all the amazing things that James has done uh, at the core of it, the deepest meaning is that even though something is ancient, it doesn't mean that it's not valuable. I struggle with this a lot with feng shui because my studies, my schooling, my teacher really focuses on the ancient Tibetan practices and ancient Buddhism. And it's not familiar today, especially in our Western world. Everybody wants the quick fix. Everybody wants the, you know, the quick, convenient way to get what they want now. And so I think where we're really missing the boat here is that we need to slow down. We need to understand and see the bigger picture and really gain perspective on the things that matter most. Here we have St. Francis, a saint that is over 800 years old, that even today can provide us great, great teachings and lessons. But because it's not familiar and because it's not modern, we may disregard it. Glean from this what you will, but I hope that each and every one of you walks away with this one truth. There is no magical button, pill, or path to happiness. It is up to you to bring happiness to all that you do. So look to those ancient tools. Oh my gosh, they are filled with so much wisdom. They are filled with so much, so much knowledge that we so desperately need today. So much of our world has been completely consumed by the ego and patriarchal ways, which is what this year is all about. It's all coming down. It's all falling apart. Those old ways no longer serve us. So how can you bring happiness to all that you do? It's simple. You do it by choice. All right, everyone. Don't forget... If you're interested in signing up for Mastering Feng Shui, early bird enrollment opens up next week. You got to get on the wait list. So I definitely encourage you if you want to tap into some of that ancient wisdom. I'm your girl. (laughs) I'm more than ready to teach you the ancient ways. All you got to do is get on that wait list and uh, early bird enrollment emails start next week. All right, everyone. If you're interested in getting a floor plan reading, Head on over to the website, gatesinteriordesign.com. You can also look into uh, real estate services if you're about to buy or sell a house. I do consultations worldwide. They're virtual, so I can help you along in the process. If you need more information about that, just reach out to us. And hey, trust the vibe, because the energy never lies.